Although I'm a doctor by profession, I'm not your doctor. All content and information on this podcast and on our website is for informational and educational purposes and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship by use of our site. Although we strive to present accurate information, the podcast and website are not a suitable substitute for your healthcare provider. Always consult a healthcare professional who knows your particular needs and circumstances before making any health-related decisions. Also, there are curse words that are unedited and graphic descriptions of bodies, bodily fluids, sex, and other real-life scenarios (laughs) that might make some listeners uncomfortable. Get used to it. Uh I'm Dr. Suzanne Ciotti. And I'm Becca Hammer. Welcome to the Perimena Podcast. Welcome back to the Perimena Podcast. Today, what we're going to do is pick up our conversation about sex. We couldn't contain all of our sex in one episode, so we decided we would have two episodes. Last week, if you'll recall, and you probably want to go back and listen to that if you didn't already, but what we did was we talked about some of the straight-up hormonal reasons why you might be struggling with your libido, or maybe you want sex, but it's painful, and things just aren't the same anymore. So go back and listen to that one first, but if you did listen to that one, what we're going to talk about today, as ever, are solutions. Bad sex is not something that you have to put up with. If sex is an important part of your life, and I hope it is, then there are things you can do about it. You shouldn't have to have bad sex or painful sex or no sex if you've got a willing and able partner. So Suzanne, tell us more. Right. So you summarized somewhat, but I'm going to summarize again. We talked about in the first episode how uh, in our one part one of the sex about the kind of three big reasons, but there's a lot of other reasons too. It's an extremely complicated topic. Uh, But three of the big ones that affect a woman's sex drive might help provide some understanding of why it's so difficult to treat. There's just not one pill uh, fixes it, not just one thing that you might need to do. There might be multiple things that that you could try. We are try. not one-dimensional, yes. Suzanne. W- women are not one-dimensional. Es- you would have to understand mm-hmm. that, of course, it's going to be a lot of things. Especially when it comes to sex and our sexuality yes. and our libido and our desire for sex. So we talked about during perimenopause, you might have had decreased sex drive or libido related to lower testosterone. That's one. Vaginal thinning, two. And maybe also pain with intercourse. Uh, and also... Uh, some stress that might have been over an extended period of time. You're feeling very tired, doing too much, burning the candle at both ends, and sex is the last thing that you could think of that you would want to do at the end of the night. So hopefully after listening to this part two, you have a clear understanding of things that might be might help. And maybe after kind of contemplating part one, you've thought about those things for yourself and might know some of the very particular things that might be affecting your sex drive. So do you have issues with painful sex due to vaginal dryness? Uh, Or do you just not even think about sex ever? Uh, Is it really hard to get aroused once you start to think about it? 
Do you have a hard time having an orgasm or have you ever had an orgasm? Uh, do you feel like you're overextended? Do you feel like you're having a lot of anxiety and a panic? Uh, so your provider might be able to help you tease out a little bit of this uh, picture, what might be your particular issues as an individual, and then that will help us know how to treat you. So, and then Suzanne, do you also think like if I'm seeing a therapist, like a psychologist or psychiatrist, psychologist probably, I mean, should I talk to them about this too, to help me work it out? It doesn't always have to be my MD Mm -hmm. initially. And this is the part about kind of know thyself. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, And because I, and I don't think it has to be a certified sex therapist, but if I'm in therapy, is that somebody that I'm seeing a therapist? Is that somebody who I can at least start this conversation with, you think? Absolutely. I mean, most therapists have some training in kind of sexual issues. They tend to be kind of at the, 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 sometimes at the base of a lot of uh, relationships. So definitely your provider would have some sort of knowledge about it. So good to start the conversation with them as well, or have your team, your little, your village village of uh providers that can help your tribe uh, of your healers. tribe of healers exactly right <laughs> so one of the well because again none of none of the things that you're going to talk about in this episode are going to do you much good if you haven't kind of gotten to the bottom of what your issue is mm-hmm. right so you need to do, contemplate it yourself too because and hopefully we've given you a little bit of some ideas of things that might be available that you can explore uh, yourself uh, and or with somebody else or with your partner or with a therapist or with a physician, whatever you feel most comfortable with. The, the easiest one, and I talked about this at the beginning of the last one, is testosterone uh, because we can measure that level and we can do it with blood work. So if that's low, then we can actually supplement the testosterone. So that's, that's like a, it's almost like a no brainer, right? That's a slam dunk. That's a slam yeah, dunk. Do I have testosterone? No. Right. Good. Get me some. <laughs> right. And if you're not sure, is this really the issue? But I also have had trauma related to sex. Is that really the issue? It won't really hurt necessarily to give it a try for a period of time and see, does it help a little bit? Unfortunately, there's only one form of testosterone that's available as a regular standard prescription for women. And that's called EstraTest. So there's two forms of it, EstraTest by itself or EstraTest half strength. That's the only regular prescription that has testosterone. Though, so, and what's interesting uh. Uh, is that it's not actually very well absorbed by mouth as a pill. So it's not, not a great uh, hormone to take orally, but that's the only, only type we have for women, right? I can get me some testosterone, but uh, it's only going to be taken orally. I can only get one prescription testosterone, but I'm taking it orally, which is like the worst way to absorb testosterone in my body. And it's going to be... Uh, combined with estrogen. Right. So if I can't take that, I'm screwed. Yeah. And that's, and we're talking about regular standard prescriptions. So we can compound it as a compounded prescription, but uh, with a compounding provider, like a compounding pharmacy, but we, as a regular prescription, there's just that one form for women. Uh, But so it's interesting for men, we talked about male menopause. Well, that testosterone that we supplement, since it's not uh, well absorbed orally, it's usually given to men as a gel, a patch, or an injection. 
So because we know it's not going to work so well orally. <laughs> so it's so can I just take some, can I just take some men gel? Can you could, but it is a high dose. So we it's really probably too high. Uh, for women, okay. it's a very, very high dose. So it's probably better not to do that. And usually, most providers would not prescribe that for you. They would give it to you as a compounded testosterone in a lower amount. Uh, so, so we can. Like how low? So the lowest, so two to 12 milligrams usually. Okay. What's nice is when it's a gel uh, that's put on thin skin, right? Like on that <laughs> thin skin, uh, inner thigh is sometimes a good way to do it. Then it's a. Uh, um, you can actually put a little more on if you want to, uh, to increase it and see if that helps your libido a little more. So you can, you can titrate it, you know, start low and go up slowly based on how you're feeling. So it's nice to have that flexibility, or maybe you don't like to use it on Monday and Tuesday when you're at work, but you do like to use it Friday, Saturday, so you can use it then. So that's <laughs> another way to do it. Yeah. And is it like a 48 hour sort of 24, 48 hour make it work sort of yeah, situation? Right. It's usually so it's about like 15 12. minutes before yeah. I want to have sex. Right. Rub some on. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's usually about 12, 12 to 24 hours. Yeah. That it will be effective. Okay. So for those of you who did not listen to the episode called Compound It, Go back and listen to it because the option that you're probably going to want to take when it comes to testosterone is a compounded option. Go back and listen to that episode mm -hmm. and you can find out everything you need to know about A, getting it prescribed and B, where to get that prescription filled. Where can you find a compounding pharmacy? That's right. And, and, uh, there's another form, which is also, t uh, there's a standard, there's a prescription that's kind of ordered by a physician who does it, but it's testosterone pellets. Uh, so that's a, a type of a way that women can get testosterone. Also, estrogen can be in pellet form. Uh, but those are a very specific provider that will insert the pellets under the skin. And I, and we've talked about that in our treatment option uh, uh, podcast as well. But it really gets very high blood levels of testosterone. So a lot of women end up getting some irritability, some acne, a little increased facial hair. You can get deepening of the voice and enlargement of the clitoris, which may or may not be a bad thing. Uh, and it usually works within a couple of weeks. So, um, okay. so that's okay. Give me the, give me the use case for why somebody would want that. Why? Okay. Why would I want a super high level of testosterone? There is a philosophy that, that it's a washout. There's a washout of all the all of the cells with high levels. What's that mean? It means it just gets super high. So all the cells that might want testosterone have access to it. And it, it's more of a theory than, than a, than a true scientific, uh, you know, scientifically known fact. There's this washout theory. So, um, so, so that's because embar embarrassingly enough, like, okay, so I was irritable. Uh, yes, I got facial hair. My voice is already a foghorn as you can hear it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it feels like I'm on testosterone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And what's ironic is I've always thought of you as someone who has a great libido. Am I wrong about that? So isn't that interesting? <laughs> I wonder if you have naturally higher levels of testosterone. <laughs> and I don't know why I think that about you either, Becca. But It's probably because I'm a super athlete. That's right. That's right. Too. That too. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I, you notice how we've absolutely danced around the whole clitoral megalithic. Oh. <laughs> and we're going to keep dancing around that one and move on. Okay, sounds good. Okay, and then we talked about sometimes the antidepressants have the side effect of worsening your libido. So you might yes. want to talk about tapering them with, you, with your provider. There's some uh, types of antidepressants that aren't as bad for libido, like Wellbutrin. So that might be something you could switch over to uh, if you're on something like Zoloft or Prozac, which are known to affect libido. So if you, if it, and then we talked about how maybe you started estrogen because you're having really bad hot flashes. If you notice that, that, uh, your libido issues happened with that, then maybe adding a low dose of a testosterone gel might be helpful, or you could try switching to estratest. Um, so Suzanne, if the, if the ones, if the antidepressants specifically that cause some of the problems are called SSRIs. Is there a different name for the ones that, are there different antidepressants that aren't SSRIs? What are they called? What is their acronym? There's you know? one, SNR, SNRIs are ones that are a little bit better. Uh, well, Butrin is in its own class and doesn't really have uh, it, it, a name all by itself. It's bupropion is its generic name though. It's the same medicine. We also use that one for stopping smoking. Uh, so it's interesting that it, that it's, uh, works that way. Plays all positions. Okay. Right. Just curious. Cause well, I just, you know, cause if you're on, you know, if you think that part of it is the antidepressant you're on and you go into your provider and you say, you know, I think I'm having a problem and they just switch you to a different SSRI, <laughs> you know, cause apparently from, again, what I've heard is that a lot of providers are like, no, 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 you just don't want to have sex cause you're depressed. Oh, Which, okay. <laughs> well, here you go. They, they, Wellbutrin is in a class called NDRIs. We don't use this term as much, though. Norepinephrine dopamine reuptake inhibitors. Uh, so for vaginal thinning and dryness, there are some over-the-counter lubricants that are temporarily helpful. So they don't really help thicken the wall of the vagina. They just help with lubrication. So that might help the tearing that some women experience somewhat. And is there any specific chemical that I'm going to look for in a good over-the-counter lube? Seriously, I just want to know, like, was there a difference between the shit you're going to get at a sex shop yeah. that's flavored and had fucking glitter in it? Right. Or, you know, like Astroglide. I mean, I imagine that Astroglide, they lathered me in that when I was having kids. So I imagine it's pretty good. Right. They did. <laughs> That's absolutely right. You know, usually if you're looking for an over-the-counter lubricant that is reliable, usually I'll recommend Replens. They, that one actually has a suppository and a cream. So for some women who need uh, a little bit something longer lasting, they can use the suppository form. Uh, but you can also try almond oil, olive oil, anything you can put in your mouth, you can try to use vaginally. So so the, those might be options really? as well. They're not going to help the thinning uh, of that vaginal mucosa. Yeah, you can. Right. Yeah, they, but it might, if it makes things less painful. Yeah, it might make things a little bit easier, a little easier to have penetration. And we talked about also with some of that dryness issue that vaginal estrogen creams are good. There's also suppositories, or which are also pellet kind of pellet form, a pellet size. There's tablets that are really small that are inserted with a kind of an applicator deep into the va vagina that can be helpful. There's a vaginal ring called an e-string that can be helpful. 
to the, and that E-string is actually very effective. Uh, all of them have few side effects because there's not as much absorbed into the system. The E-string probably has the most that's absorbed into the system. You talk about that a lot. I think that must be something that's well prescribed. Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's really convenient because you just put it in and it lasts three months. Uh, put it in as in a doctor puts it no, in or I put it in? you can put it in. It's just a nice flexible ring. Yeah. And so sometimes women will decide to take it out like when they're having sex, but you don't have to. You can keep it in if you want to. Um, so you can put it out and in, but out and in if you'd like. Um, I get it. Out and in. Out and yeah, in. Yeah, right. God, you pervert. Yeah. Would you stop with the double on top right. and just read the script? <laughs> And you know, and what, especially with the creams, because we're using really low, low amounts, like maybe a half a gram twice a week in order to help vaginal dryness. It's such a little amount of estrogen that sometimes even if you've had issues with breast cancer, it might be something you can try. You'd want to start talking to your oncologist about that though, to get it cleared, to make sure that you didn't have a a very estrogen receptor dominant type of cancer. So, um, so it's usually best to start with the cream because that one, you can titrate the doses. You can try a half gram, a whole gram. You can try it in different strengths, uh, especially if it's compounded like estriol. Um, there's another medicine that's an oral medicine called Osfina, which is just taken once a day for vaginal dryness. And it's not an estrogen at all. And it can help vaginal dryness. So that's an option too, if you really are afraid of taking estrogen because of uh, having breast cancer or clots and you want to avoid it completely. It is a prescription. Osfina. Yeah, Osfina. Okay. Right. Yeah. There's also vaginal lasers. Uh, Zoom, zoom, zoom. zoom. Vaginal lasers. Yep. That that can be used to help with some of that uh, mucosa thickening, helping um, mucus secretion as well. It can, they're used topically. So they, they actually have have wands that are inserted vaginally and some actually wands that you use right up against the, in between the labia to help provide a kind of some low dose radio frequency that sometimes can help some of that dryness too. They're usually not covered by insurance, unfortunately. Something tells me that nearly any remedy that helps women have better sex is not covered by insurance. I'm just saying, okay, but okay. So I have, to, I have to ask because you know, you know, when you say the word vaginal laser, I tell me it's not painful. No, right? it's usually not painful. It's more radio frequency. It's just a kind of a stimulate, a stimulator. We talked about vaginismus, uh, that kind of clamping down of the, the opening of the vagina. If you've had painful intercourse in the past or now, you, that might be happening. It makes the vaginal opening super, super small. And it's kind of hard to overcome just with your mind. It's something happening automatically, like your heart beating, basically. But we'll sometimes use a, an injection of Botox for that. And that, you know, of course, it's an injection, so it does hurt a little bit, but it's usually a really small needle because that will... Hold on, hold on. You're going to put Botox, which freezes muscles. Uh, it relaxes muscles. Yeah. It rela- keeps them from oh. contracting. So like in the forehead, it relaxes that frontalis muscle and, and uh, it, it works pretty well. It might even be. And would that be like with the facial, with the um, when we did on skin? So is that like a three months, six months? Right. Situation? Yep. Three to six months. Exactly. That's absolutely right. 
And sometimes actually you can get, maybe with one treatment, you can, you can get rid of that association with pain and intercourse. So it might not be something you have to do lifetime, like you'd have to do for wrinkles, but maybe when we uncouple that feeling like this is going to hurt with having sex, that will cause you not to have that reflex of clamping down anymore. So you might not need it lifetime. It might, it just depends on how long it lasts for you. You might think, we talked about this a little bit before, about considering seeing a therapist. Uh, you might even see a sex therapist that can help you work through some of the issues you might be having. So that's, uh, that's something to, that you can keep in your toolbox. Uh, sometimes prolonged vaginal thinning can narrow the vagina. So you can get over time super, super narrow vagina. And sometimes what we'll need to do with that is vaginal dilation with dilators. And there is a therapist, the same type of pelvic floor therapist that we talked about for uh, kind of urinary incontinence issues and helping strengthening certain muscles. Those same therapists can sometimes help you with these kind of devices that help stretch the, that vagina opening a little bit. Definitely getting treatment early is very helpful to, uh, the earlier you get the treatment, the less likely you'll have that, that issue with vaginismus. So good to address it earlier if, if you want to have a sex life, uh, that involves penetration. So, well, and it sounds like a process, right? I mean, mm -hmm. this is, this isn't like a one and done, like get a shot, you're fine. Right. It's. It, it sounds like you really, you, you have to commit to this. Right. And, you know, and I want to say too, that, you know, we're talking about a lot of things uh, that are going to help you with feel, feeling libido, maybe help you have an orgasm with the vagina, vaginal tissue issue. We're really talking about uh, penetration, uh, you know, sexual activity that involves penetration, but there's a lot of sexual activity that doesn't involve penetration. I've heard that. Yeah. Right. So maybe exploring some of those options and, and maybe your partner, uh, like maybe oral sex might be something to consider or, or you just like to snuggle or you like to rub up against each other. There's just many ways to satisfy each other kind of sexually and even obtain an orgasm without necessarily having a uh, penetration. And, you know, if you're, you and your partner are on the same page and or want to explore, it's a lot of fun you know, give it a go. You might find something that works really well for you. So don't forget. Well, that and the, I've heard that it, the, the recent numbers that I've read on women who can orgasm through penetration alone are tiny. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Right. Yeah. Suggesting that like it's that or don't have an orgasm is not right. There yeah, all. exactly. And so I think that this might be a good time to mention something and maybe, um, several listeners have heard of this, but one of the books that I've heard on podcasts and listened to the author and is a book, it's popular right now, but I think it probably um, has some good value for those of you who may be struggling um, with where you are and the satisfaction of your sex life is it's a book called Come As You Are. Mm. How are you thinking about sex? How are you mm -hmm. thinking about pleasure? Mm -hmm. And should you think a little bit differently to get the outcome that you're looking for? Mm -hmm. We'll put a link in the blog post 
about the book and any anything else we reference. We talked a little bit at the first part about body image and sexual trauma response, and that that's extremely complicated. That might be where you'd need to use a sex therapist to be helpful, uh, especially if you're having a hard time talking about this issue with your partner. So just be creative and open, like we were just saying. Talk about what you like and don't like. Be really particular about the things that you want to be experiencing when you're having sex. Maybe you want to have more kissing beforehand. I mean, there's going to be like like a scores and scores of an exponential amount of things that you could potentially do. So remember, uh, remember that you need to be patient and and try some new things uh, with your partner. Maybe travel to a new, new location because that tends to to break down some habits. Remember that it's all about what's satisfying and enjoyable to both of you, not what you, what other people thinks uh, really spicy sex is. You know, it's not what you see on a porno. It's what you guys like and create. And I also think too, that for those of you who have been in partner relationships for a long time, what used to be great may not now be great. Mm -hmm. Right. And kind of like, checking the box and calling it in because this is the way we always did it, it may be time to start rethinking some of that as well. Mm -hmm. And maybe you feel like kissing and cuddling and holding each other and, you know, one night and another night, you just feel like being spicy and daring. You're just feeling a lot different. You know, having that conversation about what do you need this night uh, is going to help you decide, you know, what, what might play out for that that time period based on how you're both feeling. So keep trying some new things, keep talking about it before and afterwards with your partner, and that will help you find that magic combination that works for you both. It's gonna be a process, that's absolutely right. Okay, so it sounds to me like there are certainly, if your lack of libido or some of the reasons why you're not having sex have to do with the whole estrogen situation you have options or it's a hormone situation you have options because testosterone is available mm-hmm. and it can it, a you can get it through a prescription but honestly from what i heard compounding is the way this mm-hmm. is the way because you're going to get kind of the dosage that you need and you use it when you feel like it and it's a and the delivery method is the one that's most effectively effective mm-hmm. what did i really say that yeah so <laughs> but and then there's also options if you've got dryness because dry snatch equals mm-hmm. bad sex mm-hmm. <laughs> did I say that? right. that's how that's how we like to say it in med med school too during our training <laughs> <laughs> I believe there's a whole section, a whole chapter dedicated to dry snatch. <laughs> I believe I was tested on it on my USMLE exam too, part one. But it is not a reason not to have sex. There's, you can go over the counter, egg, go right to it, go over the counter, Go to your kitchen pantry, it sounds like, because yeah. there's a lot, lot of lubes that can do a lot of good work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's definitely something that's available. Um, or there's super, super low dosages of estrogen mm-hmm. that are applied right there in your vagina that help that vaginal dryness. 
and that can make things better. And of course, the e-ring. I'm just going to think the e-ring people are sending you checks. <laughs> you, know, you talk about them all the time. But it sounds like that's a really good option if that's one of your issues. Mm-hmm. We definitely... Oh, I can't. I'm just going to say vaginal laser. Pew, pew. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then... But I think that there. then you have... We start drifting over into much more serious issues. And if you're having vaginismus... Vaginismus? Yep, that's right. Vaginismus. You're having vaginismus. There, there are options for you too, but it's just going to be a longer process, right? I mean, you can do the Botox to help you with the physical part of it, but you'll also want to talk with somebody so that you can start thinking about reframing sex in your head mm-hmm. um, and what it can be for you. Um, but really, and I think a lot of this too is um, it comes down to chatting it up. Hopefully, you're in a place with your partner that it's not just this mute thing where everybody just shows up and hopefully we all have a good time Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but you know if you're still having sex i suppose that's good too but if if you're having problems with it and it's related to hormones or it's related to some of the functioning that makes it not pleasurable have a conversation and then also remember sex is not always about penis and vagina Mm -hmm. okay it can it can and should become a lot more where there's tons of different options. There's a couple of books that we talked about, Come As You Are, and then there's another one that I also wanted to recommend too. It's called She Comes First. So um, read that and then send it over to your partner. (laughs) So that is what we have to say about sex today. Mm -hmm. Great synopsis, Becca. Excellent. Well, let's talk about what happens next week. We know that hormones are fun, as we've been discussing. But did you know that there are other possible endocrine issues that can surface as you're going through this shit show called perimenopause? Because, <laughs> you know, perimenop- the millions of perimenopause symptoms that you may be experiencing, that's not enough. There could also be some endocrine issues that surface at this very same time, and we want to make sure you're aware of them. So join me shaking your head in disbelief for our next episode of the Perimenopodcast. If you would like to visit our website where reference material and links to other podcasts are held, please visit us at www.theperimenopodcast.com. If you have questions, comments, thoughts for another episode, please feel free to send us an email at theperimenopodcast at gmail.com. Find more episodes wherever you get your favorite podcast. Please do us a favor. If this information has been helpful for you, please like us, write a review if you're so inclined, and most importantly, share this podcast with another sister so she can be informed too.